Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Irish History Podcast works through the support of listeners like yourself. You can help get the show out more often by contributing at irishhistorypodcast.ie. Hi folks and welcome to part two of the Christmas special. This is Superstition and Custom in Medieval Ireland. In this show I look at some of the strange customs and superstitions that were part of day-to-day life in Medieval Ireland. They were unbelievable at times, disturbing, but nonetheless fascinating. For me, the best way to get an insight into the beliefs and practices of our ancestors is to look at what they wrote about the world themselves. So in this show, I'm going to use the writing of a guy many of you will remember from previous shows, the Norman Gerald of Wales, who arrived in Ireland in the 1180s. He gives us a great insight into the medieval world. I will say at one point there is some content in the show that may not be suitable for younger listeners, but I'll flag this as it approaches. As we set out on a journey into the 12th century with Gerald of Wales, it's worth stating that not all aspects of life were strange or unusual. Indeed, when you read some of his accounts, it would make you think little has changed. For example, when Gerald described the Irish weather, he wrote... For this country more than any other suffers from storms of wind and rain. A northwest wind, along with a west wind to its south, prevails here, and it's more frequent and violent than any other. It bends in the opposite direction almost all trees in the west. His account of unrelenting storms and rain certainly strikes a chord at the moment, given the deluge of rain we are experiencing in Ireland. However, once Gerald moved on to talk about people and culture in Ireland, His accounts sound bizarre and sometimes, frankly, a bit off the wall. Nevertheless, they reveal the superstitions that were part of life. These stories he recorded are laced with magical figures and it's often something very difficult to grapple with when reading it from a 21st century perspective. Perhaps the best way I can explain the medieval attitude to the world is through an account relayed by a contemporary of Gerald's, a man called Ralph of Cogsall, a fellow cleric who wrote about a figure known as the Wild Man of Orford. Orford is in Sussex on the east coast of England. Ralph began his account. 
In the time of Henry II, when Bartholomew de Glanville was the castellan of Orford Castle, it happened that some fishermen who were fishing in the sea caught a wild man in their nets. The wild man was completely naked, and all his limbs were formed like those of a man. He was hairy, and his beard was long and pointed. Around his chest he was very rough and shaggy. He did not wish to talk, or rather did not have the power to talk, even when suspended by his feet and tortured. On being led into the church he showed no sign of belief or of reverence, and he did not genuflect or bow when he saw anything holy. He always sought out his bed at sunset, and always lay there until sunrise. Ralph goes on to tell us how this poor soul eventually did escape Orford Castle. Looking at it from the 21st century, there seems little magical in this tale. If anything, it's just sad and cruel. It appears someone who had been shipwrecked, or perhaps suffered from mental illness in the Middle Ages, had been brutally tortured by people who captured him. However, even though the wild man of Orford was clearly human from Ralph's own descriptions, the cleric saw it differently. Ralph himself said, whether this was some sort of mortal man or whether it was an evil spirit inside the body of a drowned man or whether it was some fish in human form, it is not easy to tell. It's worth remembering, Ralph of Cogsall was a highly educated man for the time. The point of telling you this story is to show that people in the Middle Ages believed in the supernatural in ways we cannot fathom. Indeed, when Gerald of Wales arrived in Ireland, he wrote down tales which were far more bizarre than that of Ralph of Cogsall. A favourite of mine began. Two years before the coming of the English to the island, there was found at Carlingford in Ulster a fish of unusual size and quality. Among other wonderful things about it was that it had three gold teeth of about 50 ounces weight in all. It seemed to prefigure the imminent conquest of the country. Then he also told this story. About three years before the coming of Lord John to Ireland, it happened that a priest journeying from Ulster towards Meath spent the night in a wood on the borders of Meath. He was staying up beside the fire which he had prepared for himself under leafy branches of a tree and had for company only a little boy when a wolf came to him and immediately broke into these words. Do not be afraid, do not fear, do not worry. There is nothing to fear. They were completely astounded and in great consternation. The wolf then said something about God that seemed reasonable. The priest called on him and adjured him by the omnipotent God and faith in the Trinity not to harm them and to tell them what kind of creature he was who, although in the form of a beast, could speak human words. The wolf gave a Catholic answer in all things. Now strange as this is going to sound, I don't think Gerald of Wales made this stuff up. I'm not trying to argue that there was a fish in Carlingford with three gold teeth or a talking wolf that was a master of theology. But rather, I think someone else told him these stories and he then wrote them down. For example, if you look at another story that he told, it's clear that he didn't make this one up. In the smaller island, no one ever died or could die a natural death. Accordingly, it is called the Island of the Living. This story is clearly based on the old Irish folktale Tiernan Og, the land of eternal youth, one of the most famous in Irish mythology. It's clear some Gaelic Irish person had told this to Gerald, and I suspect the same is the case for the other stories. While many have castigated Gerald for writing down such tales, I think they reveal a fascinating insight into the medieval mind. Think about it. He was a Norman coming to Ireland in the 1180s and for him to decipher what was true about these stories and what was not wasn't exactly easy. He was coming from a country 
where an educated man like Ralph of Cogsall could write down the story of the wild man of Orford and wonder whether it was a fish trapped in a man's body. In this context, for him coming to Ireland, he would have been likely to believe even the most unusual of stories. Ireland, for the Normans, was a country that was barbarous, wild and almost exotic. Gerald of Wales' stories reflect the people who believed in things like magic, not as some imaginary fantasy, but as a firm reality. This must have been both scary and comforting to fervently believe such forces existed in the world. While you might think Gerald was a bit naive for repeating such wild stories, after this break I'm going to tell you about a strange custom that Gerald recorded. It's unbelievable, somewhat disturbing, but nevertheless true. While Gerald recorded strange superstitions and myths in Ireland, he also recorded the customs and stories about how the Gaelic Irish lived their lives. Much of it does denigrate Irish customs and culture, as Gerald was writing from the perspective of a conqueror. The strangest custom he recorded was in his book The History and Topography of Ireland. It pertains to an inauguration ritual for the kings of the Canal Connell, the people who inhabited what is now modern Donegal. The following is word for word what Gerald described. If you have younger listeners present, you might want to listen to this first and decide if it's appropriate for them. There is in the northern and farther part of Ulster, namely in Canale Connell, a certain people which is accustomed to appoint its king with a right altogether outlandish and abominable. When the whole people of that land has been gathered in the one place, a white mare is brought forward into the middle of the assembly. He who is inaugurated not as chief, but as beast, not as king, but as an outlaw, has bestial intercourse with her before all, professing himself to be a beast also. The mare is killed immediately, cut up into pieces and boiled in water. A bath is prepared for the man afterwards in the same water. He sits in the bath surrounded by all his people and all, he and they, eat the meat of the mare which is brought to them. He quaffs and drinks of the broth in which he is bathed, not in any cup or using his hand, but just dipping his mouth into it around him. When this unrighteous rite has been carried out, his kingship and dominion have been conferred. This sounds absolutely off the wall, that a king mated with a horse and then made horse soup and ate it. For a long time it was understandably written off merely as Norman propaganda aimed at discrediting the Gaelic Irish. However, believe it or not, the story is true, or at the very least was practised at some stage in the history of the Canale Connell. In 1987, Catherine Sims, the foremost expert on kingship in medieval Ireland, explained that, and I'm quoting from her work, From Kings to Warlords now, It's generally agreed that so many parallels to this account can be found in the ritual of Indo-European peoples that it is out of the question to accuse Gerald of fabrication. Sims does point out that Gerald's version may have been based on a rite that had fallen out of use. Disturbing as it is, it reveals that the medieval world could be a very strange place. So telling fact from fiction or myth from reality in such a place was not as straightforward as you might imagine. And for a people who believed in magic, it must have been almost impossible. Perhaps the author L.P. Hartley said what I'm trying to get across best when he wrote, The past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. The only thing I would add to this is that we should never underestimate just how differently they did things. After this somewhat bizarre trip into medieval customs and superstitions, 
The third and final instalment of the Christmas series is out tomorrow with a more festive theme. This will be a Christmas gift of sorts, a medieval feast, so tune in to find out exactly what that is. Until tomorrow, Slán. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.